They fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. That's how Matthew describes the disciples who are with Jesus on the mountain. Peter and James and John have seen a whole lot already, but they couldn't have possibly been ready for what they see in this vision, this vision we call the transfiguration. Jesus leads them up the mountain, and when they get to the top, something happens. Jesus begins to shine brightly, like a light almost. Then the disciples see others, these figures they come to recognize as Elijah and Moses. In the midst of this great clash of epochs and meanings, as Jesus is blessed by the tradition of the prophets embodied by Elijah and the tradition of the law embodied by Moses, there's even more light and sound and and God is there. Peter and James and John fall down. They're done. They've had enough. They're wiped out. The more literal translations of this verse say that the disciples didn't just fall down, but the translation says they fell down on their faces. It sounds a little odd for us, and it's mostly just the way the phrase was constructed. But if we, if we think about it in English, it sort of makes sense. I mean, how much time do we put into saving face? How much energy do we place on putting on a good face? And so to fall on one's face really does say something, doesn't it? It suggests that we're in a new place of humility, of abandon, of being reduced to just about nothing, a place of being stripped bare. If we notice in Scripture, people are falling down all the time. Sometimes they fall on their faces. St. Paul hits the ground hard. We'll be exploring this next Sunday morning at 10 as we begin a study of Paul through the season of Lent. The Acts of the Apostles tells us that as then Saul was going along and approaching Damascus, a bright light from heaven flashes around him. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice calling his name. Back in the Hebrew scriptures, Jacob doesn't so much fall to the ground as he's pushed and wrestled down to the ground. Jacob is taken down by a stranger who wrestles with him all through the night and leaves him limping. Often in the scriptures, when people have some kind of significant religious experience, it throws them off balance and they fall down. But sometimes it's not a religious experience. Sometimes it's just life, life's harshness, life's unfairness, life's injustice that can seem to just knock someone off her feet. Sarah, Hannah, Judith, the woman accused of adultery, Mary Magdalene, they all knew what it was to be pushed aside and thrown down and left to lie alone on the ground. Think of Joseph. Joseph, who is sold into slavery by his own brothers and thrown into a pit. Job, too, falls down as he's robbed of his family and his possessions and even his health, so that he's reduced to sitting in ashes on the street using broken pieces of pottery to picket his sores. Even the Virgin Mary falls. Mary, the mother of Jesus, knew what it meant to be called a fallen woman. (laughs) 
because when it became known that she was pregnant, she wasn't yet married. She heard the talk, and then there was the exile, her and Joseph living as refugees, until finally they could come home to Nazareth and begin to raise their son. But, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, surely never forgot what it felt like to be knocked to the ground. That's why she could include in her song that particular message of God for the lowly, the hungry, the poor, those who most need God's mercy. That's probably why one of the most popular and loving images of the Blessed Virgin Mary is that of the Pieta, of Mary sitting or kneeling or crouching as she she bears in her lap the weight of her dead son who has fallen. Beginning next Friday, we walk the Stations of the Cross on Fridays in Lent, and we remember in that ritual, in those prayers, how Jesus falls three times. And though in the Stations of the Cross it's stylized and symbolic, it puts into words and prayers a a kind of theological falling. Because every time Christ falls, he rises again. Whenever he falls, he, he rises stronger, We can see him practicing this falling and rising again on the night before he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. There in Gethsemane, Jesus falls to his knees. There on his knees, he seems reduced, broken, given over to the will of God. As he says, not my will, God, but thine but there in the, the mystery of his brokenness, somehow, some way, he finds strength. It's not his own strength. He's out of that. But he begins to notice God's strength. That's what happens to Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. They, they fall down, but then they're given new strength. It's not their own. It's not as though they all of a sudden think of some new plan and then with combined energy stand up. It's Christ who picks them up. It's God who reaches down a, a holy hand and raises them up. We're told they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But then Jesus comes, reaching through all the clouds, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. Richard Rohr is a contemporary author who suggests that that this is the real secret to life. He says that that the way up is really the way down. Growth, maturity, meaning, anything worth having only happens through sacrifice, through going down or being taken down. We go up by going down. We gain by losing. As Rohr says, we gain spiritually much more by doing it wrong than by doing it right. This is an important thing for us to remember as we we move into the season of Lent with the various spiritual disciplines we may try out. Rohr points out that this is the little way of St. Therese de Lisieux. It's the way of poverty of St. Francis, the way of powerlessness in the first step of 12-step recovery programs. This is what Paul means when he tells the Corinthians, it is when I am weak that I am strong. 
Rainer Maria, Maria Rilke reflects on this in the Book of Hours when he writes, How surely gravity's law, strong as an ocean current, takes hold of even the smallest thing and pulls it toward the heart of the world. This is what the things can teach us, to fall, patiently to trust our heaviness. Even a bird has to do that before he can fly. Richard Roy reflects further that God knows that all of us will fall somehow. Those events that lead us to catastrophize out of all proportion must be business as usual for God at least six billion times a day. Rohr imagines God saying after each falling or failure of ours, oh, now there's a great opportunity. Let's see how we can work with that. This Wednesday begins the season of Lent. I don't know where you are or will be as this season begins. It may be that life has already brought you to your knees. You feel like you've been hit by a truck or a hurricane. Maybe you're standing tall and you'll accept the invitation of this season to to bend the knee of the heart as the prayer of Manasseh puts it, to, to bend the knees of your body or bend the knees of your activity in service to others. Or maybe you're at an in-between place, on your way up from being down or feeling as though you're falling very slowly, wherever it may be, on the edge of this new season. Know that Christ extends a hand. It's a hand to hold while we're down, It's a hand eventually to help us get up again. May this season ahead of us fill us with faith so that with Christ we too may rise in glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.